So welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. I'm your guest, Greg Sheridan. And I'm Stephen Craig. And I'm... You forgot to do We're Your Hosts. Oh, you're right. So you messed up the intro. Oh, it was me. So anyways, uh, we're, we're your, your host, Stephen Craig. And Parker Dillman. And we're, and we're going with that, huh? <laughs> yeah, we're that's, going with that okay. one. That's, that's cool. it. Yeah. It's done. Good. It's fixed. Good. Yeah. Usually the guest... Actually, no. We, the previous two guests have always been perfect. So you did pretty good, Greg. All right. Yeah, good. Did, and did, we did. had uh, Stephen messed up. D- d- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess I'm a guest today, too. <laughs> okay. Um, so Greg is with uh, um, Octavo, 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 System. Octavo Systems. Octavo Systems. Yeah. Um, which makes the Beagle Bone on chip. Uh, Th- that is that is one way of describing it. That is how we like to market it. It's technically the OSD 3358-512M-BAS. That's actually impressive because that's not written on the sheet either. Well, yeah, that was purely from memory. Yep. Well, I, I, that was uh, that was my part number, and there was a lot of uh, discussion internally. I got a lot of pushback for making it that long, but uh, wait, you I created won. that part number? Yeah, that was uh, that was my so scheme. You, you, my really part, those those actually mean something. You know, and the <laughs> best thing is that part number. It's like a uh, it's like a microchip part number for a pick. Duh. Yeah, yeah, there you go. They, that was they trail on. It just keeps going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, again, there. Hopefully, this is the first in what will be very many parts. So we need all that. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, uh, I mean, it's, it's, so but basically, what it is, yeah, it's, we've taken the core of the BeagleBone Black uh, single board computer and put it onto a single chip. Cool. And the uh, so how how do y'all do that? So what we've done, or what our technology is, and is really it's called, uh, or we're calling it system in package. Mm-hmm. Um, also known as multi-chip modules. But basically what that is, is we take the die from the different components that are on uh, the BeagleBone in this case. So the AM3358 processor from Texas Instruments, mm-hmm. as well as the PMIC, and the LDO, and the DDR memory. And uh, we take those die, or I guess just for the three TI components and the DDR is packaged, and um, we put those onto a substrate. So we've designed a substrate uh, that we put those die on, and then we actually bond, use bond wire, so IC-type uh, manufacturing techniques mm-hmm. to, bond those, uh, to bond those chips out. And uh, then we add in all the passives and all that other kind of stuff as well. So it's really versus like an SOC, which is a single mm-hmm. die yeah, single die thing that has all of the components in it what we've done is we've actually taken individual die that uh, are more specialized and package those all into a single single device that is hopefully very easy to use so do you get these dies then um for like the actual process do you get them from ti so yeah we uh we come from ti we have uh one of our founders was a uh principal fellow at TI. He was uh, actually one of the engineers that uh, did the speak and spell back in the day. Uh, so he's, you know, decades with TI. So we have uh, a lot of relationships, but yeah, we were able, we're getting wafer from, yeah, wafer level. we get wafer from TI and then uh, saw him up and package them all up. Okay, cool. Uh, I just imagine like a hacksaw and wafers for a moment. <laughs> uh, apparently, they're diamond drills or yeah, di- diamond saws, diamond tip saws, yeah, and I, stuff I, like that. I figured it'd be a lot more 
involved than just a hacksaw. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's probably the same concept, just a little bit more precision. Yeah, right? A little more precision and, and clean. Right. Yeah. The uh, the substrate. Uh, what what does that in, entail? Like, what what is it? Is it a PCB kind of? I, I mean, yeah. If you look at it, it's it's really it's FR four board, oh. but. Uh, what it is is we've taken all the complexities that would go into, you know, laying out these components separately sure. uh, on your own board, and we've now done it in here. So this is a um, a six layer, basically PC board yeah. that we're giving you in a single BGA. So now when you go ahead and build your own board, it, you can get down, and we've got reference designs, or there's reference designs out there using this chip that are only two layers. So you take a lot of the the difficult work out of the equation. That that's the goal. I mean, that's that's kind of what Octavo was founded on, and that's definitely why we did this first chip was to, um, yeah, help bring pull out some of the complexities and some of the hardships that go into electronics, make it easier for people to get their hands on and yeah. use these kind of powerful processors. You know? Well, it's, it's not trivial to, if anyone has, has laid out RAM before at, right. at really high speeds, it's not as simple as just connecting them. Right. Uh, and, and, and the placement of every component has an impact on the, the operation. So right. you guys take it all and put it on this one board. Right. Uh, that effectively ends up being a, a considered a chip in its own right. Right. I mean, yeah, to the to the outside world, right, it's supposed to look... I mean, our goal is to make this thing look kind of like a microcontroller. So bring... Make it as easy... You know, people with, like, Arduinos and stuff like that, right, they've taken Arduinos and built thousands of different projects yeah. around them because microcontrollers are easy to use and easy to design. With, and Arduino right? makes it even easier. Right, exactly. Um, but... You know, you look at the different single board computers that are out there. People use them, but mm -hmm. very few people actually go and create their own projects around them. Sure. Yeah. No one, no one makes a embedded Raspberry Pi device. Exactly. They just glue their Raspberry Pi onto their project. Right. So, and one of the reasons we believe that is is because of the complexities, like you just mentioned, of connecting the DDR right. to the processor, dealing with power sequencing. And then all the different uh, passive components that go along with that. Well, all the all the prototype that you would have to do prototyping, and all the manufacturing runs you would have to do to figure out these issues, you guys have done that exactly. And so it's a drop-in part yeah, for yeah, exactly. So our our goal and our hope is right that people will take the BeagleBone platform, you know, continue to develop on that, use that as their prototypes. Then when they're going to production, they can just drop in our device and focus on really what makes their product, you know, special. So you don't have to worry about the tedious DDR interface of the power supplies or placing 140 different uh, decoupling capacitors and stuff like that, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. The uh, thing I liked about most, I actually got, I think I got the question answered when I asked it on Twitter, was the, uh, the fact that it runs the same... Uh, kernel and build of Linux that the BeagleBone Black does, right. so you don't have to compile anything special. Right, you can actually actually use what you designed on right. BeagleBone Black and over to your design. Also, yeah. people can port their designs that they already have over to this. Exactly, yes. and, and we've been working with BeagleBone since the beginning. I mean, they're a very close partner of ours, and uh, and yeah, so the this board this uh, device was really designed with that in mind. Is that you start with a BeagleBone. And that's your development platform. And then when you go into production, 
you know, you can just drop this thing down, use the same code, and just go. That's awesome. That's really cool. So I got a uh, question since it's pretty much a encapsulated PCB board. Correct. That's, that's a yep. boiling it down a little bit. So how well does it handle, um, since it's mostly a maker, uh, well, geared towards makers and, and small designers and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. how well does it handle multiple reflows? Uh, so I mean, it's a BGA, so pretty much you only got a couple shots at it right. uh, when you rework one of these things. Right. But now, the, the nice thing about this device is that uh, we've intentionally designed it to have very wide pitch, a very wide pitch BGA, so it's a 1.27 millimeter. Yeah, it's actually one oh, of the huge. largest yeah, pitch it's, BGAs it's, I've seen. Yeah, it's big, and uh, that's we get that a lot. It's like, wow, I can't believe it's so big. But we did that on purpose specifically to to help out uh, the maker type market and the people that might not have the most sophisticated manufacturing um, <laughs> abilities, right? So T- it, toaster it, oven soldering. Yeah, it, I mean that's that's one of that's one of the things I'm I want to get a video together on is to actually show that yes, you could reflow this in a toaster oven. Yeah, you know what? I haven't done if it yet. Could, I think I'm pretty sure it can be done. I haven't done it yet. If I you would, can do it on a skillet, skillet, I'd be impressed. Um, I'm gonna start with the toaster oven, but uh, no, I mean this. It's uh, again, it's all pretty much standard. IC uh, packaging technology. Again, another one of our founders is a um, did 20, 25 plus years at TI, uh, principal engineer in the uh, in packaging for TI. So I mean, he's so he knows his yeah stuff. He, he knows his stuff <laughs> and uh, yeah he's he's assured me that uh, this thing is just as good as just about any other IC you're you're gonna put on your board. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I, I wonder how long it's going to take till we see someone who has it super glued upside down on some perf board. And with oh he dead bugs and, it and dead someone it. dead bugs it that would be pretty cool yeah That'd be pretty I can't cool. wait till that picture pops up on Hackaday yeah so so cool. okay so we're t- we we talked about thermal reflow but what about the thermal performance because you got everything now in a really close proximity you got this thing screaming at I don't know what it, speed. so it runs at a it runs at a gigahertz okay yeah um but I mean really if you look at it none of these devices are particularly high power devices right. Uh, and the AM3358 is a fairly low power device for the type of performance you're getting. Um, the PMIC in here is a couple of amp, but um, you know, really, and again, you guys, I, ha- I have a, an, example. A, 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 an example here, a clear picture that you guys can see. But I mean, you see, it's fairly well spaced apart. Mm-hmm, so yeah. again, given that we've chosen to make the balls as big as they are, yeah. as wide as they are, we actually have a lot of space. So we actually have a lot of area. To, uh, to dissipate to heat. dissipate the heat, but again, you look at all these individual components. None of them really dissipate that much heat by themselves. And you know, we've run plenty of thermal models and stuff like that. And yeah, we're we're not concerned now. As we get in, uh, hopefully, you know, as we get into higher performing processors, like if you look at BeagleBoard, they've uh, recently announced a BeagleBoard X15. Hmm. And the processor itself on there has a heat sink. Okay. So, you know, if we're starting to put stuff like that in here, then, yeah, then thermals become a lot more... You could put a big thermal pad in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 uh, this is very... There's a lot of really cool, exciting stuff we can do with this technology. Uh, again, this is kind of the first one to get out there. You know, we, we really want to enable uh, the people that are playing with BeagleBone Black to really get out there and be able to make their own product, but... Yeah, we're very excited about where we can go with this stuff. I, I just find that super cool that now you have that much power in your hand with something that you can just, you know, plop down into your into your design and just. It's not that you don't have to worry about the thermal 
uh, issues that that uh, go along with it. But I mean, it's one of those things where you're not you're not the designer themselves being a maker or whatever can just plop it down on their board and not really have to consider that because it's already taken care of. That's just I don't know. I find that super cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, the the goal is to make it as easy for people to design with as possible. Take as many of the different variables out. I mean, obviously, this is still a, a complex device. I mean, yeah. just a, an A8 processor just still has a lot of complexities that come with it. But hopefully, we've made it easy enough where again, somebody can doesn't feel intimidated with it and can take it and really go build their own. Well, let's system. uh let's recap that. What's the part number on it again? <laughs> is, is is there a, an annotated part number? Uh so right now we only have one device. So if you go search for Octavo Systems or the OSD 3358. Okay. Um you know, you'll you'll find this device. Uh this current version has again the gigahertz AM3358 processor has 512 megabytes of DDR3 memory the power supplies and all that kind of stuff. We will be uh, releasing a version with a gig later this year. And then, uh, you know, we'll also be going and looking to fill out the processor portfolio as well with the other versions of the TI processors in the same family. Cool. So the, the gig would have a 1024 in, in the package. I think I'm actually just going with 1G. A 1G? 1G. Yeah. <laughs> OG. OG, yeah. OG, there you go, yeah. Um, Original. What, what's the size of the package? So it is a it's a 20 by 20 BGA, so 400 balls, okay. which is uh, fairly, can, can be uh, fairly daunting, but again, we hopefully made it big enough that it's easy to use, but it's uh, 27 millimeter by 27 millimeter. Okay, just over an inch by an inch. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I, I mean, if you stick a quarter on top of it, it's really it's about the size of a quarter. So yeah, it's really not that big. Yeah, I mean, again, if you compared it to like you said a BGA, you're used to seeing. I mean, this is a a monster. But. Yeah, we, um, we we placed a a, a um, five twelve pin that was on a point five pitch the other day, and right. and it was a beast. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. So yeah, no, th- this looks massive in comparison. Right. Yeah. I actually a question is um. So it's it's going to be uh, you know just plopping down, not have to worry about it, right? Like thermal and that kind of uh-huh. stuff. But what about like uh, the the guys that are actually starting to do small volume stuff and actually have to start worrying about like FCC and CE certifications? Is there do y'all have like tech docs for that kind of stuff or recommendations for like making sure this device isn't going to radiate and right uh, right? So we haven't done uh, any kind of FCC testing on this device yet. Uh, again, you know, this is this is not going to be a radiator. Yeah. Uh, the traces that come off of it are, 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 are yes. tiny. Yeah, I mean, the traces on the board are so much tinier than what you're actually going to have on a normal PCB if yeah. you were doing something like this. Right. Um, so, I mean, really, what's going to affect it is the traces that are coming, coming off, off the board of in your in the designs that people are doing. Um, it's on our checklist of things to go through and just to kind of prove to everybody that it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we don't expect any any kind of problems. Again, mainly because the what would be antennas on here are so much smaller yeah. than what would be on a PCB with I, this same design. Actually, speaking of that, what, what's on that six-layer PCB? What is the trace width? Average trace width. Ooh, all right. Now you're uh, now you're getting over my head here. Okay. I, I, don't, I, I can tell I don't know you, that. really, really small, really, really tiny. small, <laughs> really <laughs> tiny, really tiny. But uh, yeah, I, cool. I I bet you it's six mil or less. Oh yeah, it has to be. I, there, I know there, I know there's definitely some in there in the uh, in the it's micron got, range. Yeah, wow. it's got definitely got bond. It's got bond wires in it. Right. So we'll actually we'll have a picture of the epoxy um, sample that that Greg here has. 
Um, oh, it's cool. Think, you can see it's got a window to see everything inside. Yeah, yeah, you can actually see the bond wires, which is really cool. Yeah. That's cool. You got a picture that could actually see the bond wires? Yeah. Nice. It's really cool looking. Nice. And uh, I guess, um, so what, what, what are you all looking forward to go to the future then? Um, you can't just keep like, you know, just make it faster or more RAM. Yeah, right. You can. I mean, we, oh, you I mean, can. I mean, oh, you we, can. We can, right? I mean, the, um, you know, again, we, we are, we look at ourselves as mainly system integrators, okay. right? So we're not going out and designing silicon or anything. So we're not going to make a faster processor or something like that. Uh, what we are looking to do with this particular device is look to see what else we can integrate into it. So what else can we do that's going to make a, um, a designer's life easier. So there's a couple of things that if you look around, you know, that are going on most designs uh, that people really want in systems, you know, we're looking at integrating those types of things. Beyond that, you know, we're obviously looking at different processors, different families, different subsystems that we can build. And again, what we're really looking to do is to make the entire system development process as easy as possible. So you know, we're not just focusing on processors, memory, and stuff like that. We're looking to other subsystems as well, you know, sure. a power subsystem, um, you know, different analog front ends and things like that. So what are these different blocks that, you know, couldn't be kind of a pain in the butt for designers to deal with that we could simplify and make it easier and make kind of standard building block components for them. Well, and, and that's cool because you, you kind of see that in the industry nowadays where it's less of a game of who can make the fastest thing anymore. It's more about what features, what peripherals, what can I provide as a uh, semiconductor manufacturer right. that makes your life easier. Yeah, and then, and then what's cool about what we do versus being a, a, semi a semiconductor manufacturer is we're actually able to pull from like the best process technology from the the different areas, right? So a, a semiconductor manufacturer is typically looking like, all right, how good, like I, I've got a microcontroller I want to build. Yeah. So it's an SOC. Mm -hmm. So you've got um, the one die. So what's the best ADC I can put on here? What's the best power supply? What's the best core I can put all on here? But I've got the constraints of this silicon process, Yeah. this one silicon process. What we're able to do is we're able to go pick the best ADC from the best ADC silicon process, mm. the best processor from the best processor silicon process, the best power supplies, so on and so forth. Because they're not it, always going to share the same process. Right. I mean, if you look at where uh, semiconductor technology is go has gone, you know, you had Moore's Law really driving it, and that's great. But while Moore's Law has driven it, they've it's also driven uh, further specialization in the different process technologies. So your best ADC process no longer is compatible with the best processor, processor mm -hmm. process, right? So really, if you want the best performance out of your processor and your ADC, the only way to do that is with two discrete chips. Oh, that's cool. So what we're able to do is we're able to give you the same performance of two discrete chips in a single package. Wow. That's a, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, we, we think so. We're, yeah. we're pretty excited about it. And... Uh, yeah. Neat. <laughs> I kind of really want to build something I with this. I left you speechless here. Yeah, huh? I know. I, I kind of really want to build something with this the thing The best now. word Parker can come up with. Neat. Neat. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you know, I, I, I realize, uh, Greg, we, we didn't, uh, we jumped right into, right into the chip. Um, I guess, can you tell us just a little bit about your background? 
and what you do. Yeah, yeah. So uh, me personally, so I am uh, the sales and marketing manager for Octavo Systems. We are a small startup um, based out of Austin, but with offices around uh, around Texas. We've got a large group here in Houston. And, uh, you know, we were founded by a couple of ex-TI guys, like I mentioned, uh, with a lot of experience. And really, once they kind of retired, they saw this need and, you know, basically needed a complement to the Moore's Law, like I said, right? Mm. Where you can give the integration the best performance with the best integration. And how do you do that? It's system and package. But this technology has been around for decades but it's only been in the hands of you know people like apple or people like ti and done for very mm-hmm. specific purposes sure so the whole concept of octavo is how do we take this really cool technology that's very powerful and how do we put it into the hands of extremely innovative people and just give it to them and see what they can go and create so that's that's what we try to do you know is try to make electronics easier for people to use and be creative around. And again, we leverage this system and package technology to do that. Neat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Greg, so what what do you do at so, so again, so I'm, I'm sales and marketing. So anything on the website, anything that goes external to, to the company is me. So if you see spelling errors on the, Website or any of yeah, the, actually, you know, I do the social media, I do the flyers, you do I, the do, actually, it was, I do it was, the podcast, <laughs> I do I do anything that uh, anybody would actually see. So actually, it was this morning while I was actually typing up everything for the, for this podcast, and I'm like, you know what? I never actually looked to see what Greg did. As so I looked up, I'm like, oh no, sales and marketing. Yeah. And then the next line is like, you know, BS and uh, computer engineering. Yeah, so and, and I, do, MS I do have some background. Yeah, and I'm so, like, okay, good. He's going to yeah, fit in just right. No, in. no, I did. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm a I'm a computer engineer by schooling, computer nerd at heart. Uh, went to went to Georgia Tech. Spent a lot of time and money there. Got uh, a BS and an MS in engineering, and then and then I decided to go to the dark side and, yeah. d- and start doing more of the business stuff. So I went and got an MBA, and then did sales with Texas Instruments for a couple years, and then. Uh, you know, found found the startup life, which is uh, a lot more fun, a lot more exciting, and they they let me play with the electronics again. They let me get back into the weeds of stuff. Yeah, the, uh, the great thing about start startup kind of stuff is you just get to do lots of things. Yeah, yeah. So you ask, you know, what is it I do? My technically, what I do is is that, but it's whatever whatever's necessary to be done, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Very cool. Neat. <laughs> neat. Today, today's word, kid, is neat. <laughs> yeah, it's brought to you by. Uh, so, uh, Stephen, do you have any more questions for Greg? I think I'm done. I I think we covered a lot of territory there. Yeah. All right, good. Hopefully I didn't uh, didn't bore your audience here. No, it was no, very that, interesting. That was, that was awesome. Cool. And RFO? So, yeah, the RFO section. Uh so there's this really interesting uh, project that's on, on CrowdSupply right now. It's called the LO computer. And it's basically a uh, low-power computer that runs BASIC that is built only okay. out of thin PCBs. The entire thing. Okay. The entire thing is made out of PCBs. So they don't have any kind of molds or anything for this thing. So even the keys are PCBs that flex and contact another PCB to make the, the keys work. Okay. 
So what, I thought, what's actually running it? What's what's behind it? What's the process? It's a uh, it's actually a Pic thirty two MX. Okay, I mm-hmm. think it's an MX. Let yeah. me check. Yeah, and it, and it runs. And it just runs basic, like it old school basic. basic. It runs yeah. old school basic. You can program in basic, but you have access to the pins. Yeah, so it actually has a prototyping area where you can plug stuff your hardware in. Okay, that's pretty cool. Um, and actually, it was I thought it was interesting. It's like, what if you took your chip and combine it with this idea? Oh, that would be that would be that crazy. would be cool. Yeah. So then you cool. have a gigahertz Linux computer. Yep. In this, it, it looks about. 10 inches by about Six or 8, eight inches. Yeah. Basically like that. the size that you need for a keyboard. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's almost like a tablet, but it's entirely made of FR4. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, it's a really cool project. Um, I actually, I, I backed the, the, just getting the PCBs for it. So oh, I, I, I didn't know you, oh, that's cool. I can't wait. <laughs> I, I, w- I want to see that when it comes in. It yeah. looks cool. So do, speaking of PCBs, there, well, I was out at uh, Maker Faire last week, and uh, there's this company, Pocket CNC. Are you guys familiar with them at all? I, I heard the name. Yeah. So yeah. they've they've got this like awesome five axis uh, CNC machine, very precision milled. It's like a couple thousand bucks, but it runs a BeagleBone Black uh, as its processor. But they've also I don't know if they announced it before then, but they've built a like a four hundred dollar three axis CNC okay. machine out of PCB. Material. Oh yeah, I, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, With yeah the yeah, frame, yeah. the table, yeah, the, the everything. frame, everything is all PCB. Obviously, you've got the servo motors and yeah. stuff. And like actually, that, it, it comes from uh, you order. I think it comes from Oshpark. The boards do. I think. I, I saw that. Yeah. And I saw. I was. I was that look, could be. Because I, I didn't get to go to Maker Fair this year, so I was reading all like the new stuff. Yeah. And I saw it, and it comes in. You get it in giant sheets. It comes in a big panel, and right. you break it out yeah. and put it together. So it's so it's like a, yeah, it's, it's like the cool. old diecast. Not diecast, but the old plastic model, like airplane models. Yeah, it looks just like that. Yeah, and it's 400 bucks, and it's uh, a full three axis CNC machine. It's yeah. uh, it's pretty neat. Uh, again, just kind of the cool stuff that people can do with just FR4, right? Yeah, just creative, just FR4. creative stuff. Well, it's, it's 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 interesting. Like when you when you go to uh, get something milled at a machine shop, you, you have to be really specific about your tolerance, blah blah blah. What you don't really uh, see very often, but but it's it's true of PCBs is that they're pretty high tolerance, just stock. You know what you get from your your manufacturer is going to be really close, mm-hmm. uh, and so using it as an actual using FR4 from a PCB manufacturer as as uh, a mechanical building aspect, you know. It, it can actually work pretty well. Yeah, it was something cool. I had never seen that done before, so that was that was pretty neat for me. But uh, again, it seems like the same line of what uh, what you were talking about. Yeah, um, apparently the this keyboard or this uh, computer is open source. Okay, I did take a quick look at the GitHub account for it, and it looks like most of the stuff is up there. Yeah, uh, up there. I basically looked at the assembly docs and stuff and see how did they make the keys work. And I think it's just route out with just a little tab, and the tab flexes. Um, okay. Oh, diving board style. Yeah, diving board style. Uh, That's still pretty cool. Yeah, it's yeah. still really cool. Um, Maybe we I, should I, tag team and get one of these chips in there. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'd like I'd like to see that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, it's a really cool pro- project. Um, I think stuff like that, like using FR four, is going to become even more and more commonplace. You mm-hmm. you see it a lot in in uh, in building like uh, fixtures to program stuff. Mm-hmm. Where people will build um, the FR4 like a, a thing that holds their boards with with FR4, but I think we'll see more projects like this going forward, mainly because FR4 that that whole um, 
PCB assembly or PCB process has gotten so inexpensive right. in the last, you know, 10 years, even more so in the last five years. Well, and you can use it as the front panel of whatever your device is because you yeah. already get it pre-silkscreened. And, and right. Yep. Yeah, it actually looks to nice, too. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, it looks good. What would be interesting to see is uh, how well, since this thing doesn't actually have a real enclosure, is how well does it handle ESD and that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, but this is one of those projects that you're just doing just because it's cool, not yeah, because you yeah, actually yeah, yeah. want it to yeah. be a rugged design. You're not going to go stick it in any kind of industrial environments or anything like that. You'd be surprised what you find. Like, if you go on <laughs> eBay and search for Raspberry Pi uh, industrial enclosures, I'm like, oh, my God, people are using these things. In- <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm not going to take a computer that just allows me to program basic out to the oil rig out in the middle of the Gulf. You know, like, I'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah. that's not going to happen. <laughs> I don't know. Didn't rail Raspberry Pis kind of scare me. Do they actually have those? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, the, the, you can buy an enclosure for a Raspberry Pi to put it on your Dinrail industrial stuff. That, uh, mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fact that the USB will, well, this is true with the old, uh, older Raspberry Pis, where the USB will just randomly reset the device sometimes. Then you pull too much power. <laughs> or, or you saw on the Raspberry Pi 2B or whatever it was, or the Plus, or I can't remember what it was. If you, um, if you took a picture of it with a camera that had a specific bulb, the uh, uh, the frequency would actually cause it to reset the yeah, whole device. Yeah, really. Yeah. yeah, it was on the, it was the LDO, I think. Yeah, the was LDO wasn't it was a uh, what was it die bonded uh, to the PCB, and and um, something about the the frequency of light that hit it would cause the LDO to reset. So the the silicon the dye was actually exposed. Yeah. Somehow. No, well, no, no. The the dye was flipped upside down. Okay. And bonded directly to the PCB. Was but, it? But the light. Yeah, I think. Um, I thought it was just through the package. No, I'm pretty sure. Um, I think uh, Dave Jones did a whole video about it on EV blog. Okay, I got um, to look that up after this. Yeah, thing. yeah, because I mean, he actually shows it. He takes a picture of it. and Bam. Yeah, I mean the, the silicon is, and that's what you know. This little clear sample that I have here yeah. would be cool. It technically could work, but. If it gets any kind of UV light on it, the the silicon process actually goes goes crazy, and it. So I, I yeah. wonder if that's the yeah, same yeah. sort of deal there. Well, and 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 it's it's interesting. I see most technology. I mean, it's it's sensitive to yeah, certain sensitive frequency light, of yeah. light. Yeah. Well, when you only have you know thirty five nanometers separating your gates. <laughs> yeah, you can. There's not you, much for electron. You can to jump get those across. gates yeah. excited with a little bit of uh, a little bit of energy. Yep. Yep. Cool. And uh, it was, it's not neat. No, it's not neat. It's just cool. <laughs> just cool. Just cool. Oh, well, I'll tell you, the next thing is awesome. Oh. <laughs> but uh, so we like talk about IoT crap here, um, okay. mainly yeah. making fun of it. Um, You're talking about IoT is the future. IoT is everywhere. Yeah, IoT is everywhere. What is it? <laughs> Nobody knows. It's, no one it's knows. the cloud. It's a, the cloud. It is. Actually, it's a marketing term Macrofab uses. <laughs> <laughs> cloud manufacturing brought to you by Macrofab. And that is the only advertising we'll ever do here. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Nest, uh, who's owned by Amazon, right? Still? Google. Google? That's right. Google. Google. No, Alphabet. Alphabet, that's right. Yes. That's what they're called now. <laughs> that's right. Uh, <laughs> um, that's right. Alphabet. Uh, they are releasing a version. I actually think they already did a version of their uh, protocol called OpenThread. So they're trying to... I think they're trying to do like a land grab kind of thing where try to get everyone in their ecosystem kind of thing 
uh, hmm. for IoT devices basically use this protocol so all devices can talk to each other. So what, what does the protocol give you? What does the protocol do? Um, you know, I don't know. I think it just, it's like, it probably defines it just the packages. Let you, it just lets you talk to the Nest, or? I think it allows, you know, I don't know. Maybe the servers? Huh? I don't know. I, I, the biggest question I have is, and, and I don't want to sound like a jerk here, but who cares? What is their end game with it? Is I think what it's, I'm it's so like all your IoT devices, say your Nest or your uh, refrigerator or your coffee pot, can all talk to the same server uh, with the same so protocol. Like my, my Nest phone app now can also work with my fridge and my toaster. And they can and brew all your you can, coffee. You can you use your coffee. Nest as the funnel for everything. Yeah. That, okay. Okay, I get it now. So, Good. so because okay. the Nest is a, is a learning thermostat. thermostat, but since it knows all this personal data about right. what you do, it could be, hey, around this time, you know, Parker gets up and wants coffee, right. and so it would automatically figure that out and start brewing coffee at uh, 9:30 a.m., which is when I get up. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's what <laughs> not I was an early it's person. Just, it's just more more for Google to get more and more. Personal information, right? Yeah, probably. The data mining. Yep, data mining. So it sounds like they're trying to make the beginnings of HAL 9000. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what really. Is it? Well, every the, IoT discussion always turns into HAL 9000 or Skynet or something, mm-hmm. right? Well, so, someone actually asked me the other day about, um, about Macrofab and the fact that we have online user interface where you can purchase or or upload your designs and they said what happens when computers start uploading designs and making their own boards <laughs> are do are we beginning skynet computers making computers there you go dude yeah. that'd yes. be kind of freaky well it'd be, well, awesome. be computers telling computers to tell humans how to build boards <laughs> so we're, we're, <laughs> but, but how much we're becoming slaves to computers. No, it'd be like it'd be like uh, the matrix oh yeah yeah. We'll like wake yeah, up and like, oh, and rip cables. Sorry, off everyone. We're the beginning of the end. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. You guys are on the cutting edge. <laughs> <laughs> or we pretend to be. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. The 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 nest stuff. I mean, it's it's cool. You know, the the more open that people make it, the the more standardization that can happen around that is going to help make it. Uh, you know, again, just more accessible. And I mean, I can't wait to get in my house and have everything talk to my iPhone and do everything that I want all from my phone. So if somebody's actually going to make it easier to do that, uh, then, well, then that sounds cool. That, that brings up a huge problem, though, and I'm not trying to make things drag out or anything like that. But the word was like, as soon as we can standardize it, every company out there says, I want my standard right. to be the standard. Yeah. There's 15 and standards. We have to make a standard to standardize them. But right. it's, eventually it's going to play out, right? I mean, you had Blu-ray versus HD DVD. I mean, HD the, DVD, yeah. I mean, you had Betamax. V- I mean, it will, there will be a standard eventually. Somebody will win. Somebody will get tired of putting money into it. And then IEEE will come around and write it into their books. Right. No, they'll yeah. just IEEE will make their own standard. <laughs> which is different. Which is, different. Which is completely yeah. different from everyone else's. Right. Right. It would be uh, IEEE 6.1 IoT. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> uh, so is that... Uh, anyone else have anything else to add for this podcast? No, I think it's good for the me. The RFO section was a little short, but, you know, slow news week. What are you going to do? 
No, I, I appreciate you guys uh, having me on, man. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, thanks for you coming wanna, by. Yeah, you want to sign us out? Uh, sure, I'll do my best. So uh, thank you for listening to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. I was your guest, Greg Sheridan. And we were your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. There we go. We got it that time. All right. Got you later, guys. Uh, take it easy. <laughs> and Josh took a really good nap. <laughs>